This morning, would you turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John and chapter 4. We'll begin in verse 7, and we'll go 14 verses today. We are winding down our current sermon series on the first letter that the Apostle John wrote to the church in Asia Minor. And next week will be our last installment in this series, and we'll complete 1 John then. And then Advent begins the Sunday after that. That's Thanksgiving weekend, November 27th, and we have an Advent devotional that many of you are writing, right now feverishly writing as the deadline approaches, and uh, we'll put that together and we'll have that devotional ready for you in the next couple weeks. It'll begin that devotional will on November 28th. Let's take a look at our text this morning. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. Let me read this to you. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Are you tired about, with hearing about love? I mean, John... What the heck, John? I mean, um, love, 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 love again? Who's honest enough to admit that they're tired about hearing about love in this sermon series? Well, some of you are honest, okay. You can be honest in church, I, I guess, in that way. In the first letter that the old man the Apostle John is writing, it's so repetitive. We've talked about this subject of love at least four times in the last eight weeks. And last week, Thomas, our director of student ministries, he preached a challenging message on a very challenging passage. And what was my takeaway? The takeaway was love God, love one another. And it just seems to go over and on and it's just love it's just about love and today love again we're going to talk about love again in these 14 verses we see that the apostle john uses the word love loves loved 27 times in 14 verses now i can talk a long time about who i love loving in what I love doing. I love my wife, Janet. I love my kids. I love my friends. I love my small group. I love fishing for trout in the eastern Sierra Nevadas. I love going out to lunch, sitting outside in the Riviera Village, and then walking along the beach on the avenues. I love that. I still remember, though it was like yesterday, I was sitting after a worship service at my church I was attending on one side of the auditorium. It's a big auditorium. Sitting with friends, just hanging out. And I looked across the room, big room, and I see Janet Gramza walking towards us. And I'm thinking, oh, she's walking towards us. And as she gets closer, I think I'm going to smile and catch her attention, at least say hi to Janet. 
but she's walking right towards me. And as she comes up to me, she says hi, and all my friends say hi, and she says, um, do you have room in the small group that you're leading? And I, we didn't have room, but I lied, and I said, oh, tons of room. Come on, come on down. We met a few years earlier. I was about, I think I was about 20 years old, back maybe 21 back then. And we met in high school, um, at North High School about three years earlier. And the next few weeks, we got to know each other more. And it wasn't love, but it was a feeling. It was the other L word maybe, but because uh, <laughs> she was, uh, look at her. I mean, she's... Uh, But even after a few weeks of getting to know me, if at that point she said, you're an arrogant, pig-headed jerk, there would be no love between us, right? I mean, that's just as simple as that. Because we love for a reason. We love for a reason. And after a few weeks of getting to know each other, that led to an infamous first date. You can ask her about that. Um, that led to more dates, that led to an Amy Grant concert at the Greek Theater, that led to a DTR talk for you young people. That's a define the relationship talk. She said yes on Christmas Eve in 1985. And seven months later, we had a wedding. And here we are today. Incredible. I love fishing, not in the same way, but <laughs> I love fishing. I love that long drive up to 395 North on the 395. I love passing through small towns and getting fresh beef jerky. I love getting pastries and a sheep herder's bread at that bakery. Um, I love going to that secret spot that in our imagination no one else knows about and catching trout there. I love sneaking up onto a creek, just sometimes army crawling, sneaking up onto a creek and lowering my line as if the fish will spot me if I stand up. I love catching my limited trout and sometimes getting a big one. I love that. And I love fishing for all those reasons. We love for a reason. And today, I want to take a look at this passage of Scripture and learn about God the Father who loves his children. But a confession, as I was studying through this this week, I, in my mind I'm thinking, but what about those who are hard to love? I think everyone has someone like that in their life. What about those that were called to love but are hard to love? What's today's good news? I, I think it's simple. If you can kind of get this next two sentences, you got the sermon today. Today's good news is the Father loves you, and his love for you changes the way you love others. If you want to know how God expects us to love others, take a look at the way God loves us. And it's all about the family, 
It's all about the father, the son, the kids. It's about God's family. It's about family. And so point number one in your notes is family values. Family values. Take a look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. John is saying this. He says, let me tell you about love. Why and where it comes from. It, and, and it's not about you loving God, and it's not about you loving others. This is it. Right here, he lays it out. God is love. You've heard that. It's on bumper stickers. It's on coffee mugs. It's all around. God is love. And it's about how he loves. Because God is love. It is who he is. His identity is love. It's the way love is lived out through God, demonstrated by Jesus, the Son. It's the highest value in the family of God. Now, family values are, are interesting because family values are just about who the family is. It's not necessarily what the family does. And so if you stop and you think about your own family, you'll identify values in your family, good or bad. Different, for sure, and sometimes pretty indifferent. But a family is who they are, not necessarily about what they do. Sometimes I'll, I'll work with churches and and we'll just we'll talk we'll look at their um, mission statement, their vision statement, and what they call core values. And and they'll list these six or seven, five or three things. And it'll be you know this church is their core value is that we love the lost, and and another core value is we glorify God, and you know all all these things. It sounds all good, but one of the things that I love to do, and I work with churches, we work with leaders, and we put up the core values, and we say. Do you really do these things? Is this really a value? In the, is, is your church really identified by loving the lost? Do you really? Because a value is something that you can't, you, it's just part of you. It flows out of you. And so this family value that we're talking about here is so important. This is not what God does. This is who God is. And this is the family of God. See, in your notes it says we are in these four things. We are created, we're adopted, we're bought, and we're sustained. The first is we're created. We are wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully made, it says in Psalm 139. We are carefully put together. And our days are already ordained for us, even before we were born. We were created by God. We're adopted. We're, we're adopted into God's family. We have all the rights, all the privileges as children of God in that God loves us affectionately. That's why the scriptures say, 
Abba, Father, which is an affectionate term of Father. It's Daddy or Papa. That's how God loves us. We're created, we're adopted. The third is we're bought. Our very lives were bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we cross that line of faith, we're adopted in God's family. We know that it was with the high price of the death of Jesus on the cross that we are forgiven and welcomed as full family members. We're created, family values were adopted, we're bought, and the fourth is that we're sustained. Not only are we adopted as family members, but we are lovingly cared for, provided for, and sustained by Father God. God says, I will sustain you. You, you won't go and work all these hours every week in a job, and, and you won't be the one that's fixing up your apartment or your condo or your house. God says, it's me. I'm the one who's sustaining you. I've created you. I've adopted you. I bought you. And I'm sustaining you. In all these scriptures here, in Psalm 139 in your notes, and Ephesians chapter 1, Romans chapter 8, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, all speak to that family value. The family of God is identified by love because, well, it's because the Father, God is love. The second point in your notes is not just family values that we understand God's love, but it's family ways. It's the family way. Every family has a way that they do things. When I was in the second grade, I had a best friend. His name is David Hale. I haven't talked to him in so long. He moved away, I think, in the third grade to Galveston, Texas. And maybe a few months after that, we had a phone call. And that was the last I heard of David. But he stayed overnight one night. It was a, my first sleepover. So he came over, and we're having dinner. And, and culturally, being a Japanese family, we would have rice with almost every meal. White rice, white steamed rice. And David, Hale, Caucasian guy, European descent, he was there, and we were eating dinner, and uh, rice was on his plate, and a little mound of rice. And he didn't eat it. And my mom said, oh, David, you don't like rice? And he goes, oh, I, I really like rice. I'm just saving it for the last. And I was like, all right. And so we're just eating and eating the rice and eating whatever, meatloaf or whatever we were eating. And, uh, and at the very end, uh, David says, Mrs. Maeda, can I have a bowl? She says, sure. And he says, can I have some milk and sugar? And for a Japanese family, that is just so wrong. <laughs> so he gets the rice, puts it in the bowl, puts sugar, sprinkles sugar over it, and pours milk on it, and just starts chowing it down. And my dad and my mom and I were just like looking at him like, what the heck? That was, it wasn't our family way, but it was his family way. And, and, you know, it happens all the time. It's sort of like, who likes best foods over Miracle Whip? You know, right? Yeah? And then there's um, Thanksgiving is coming. Who likes whole cranberries or the jelly kind? You know? 
right? It's a family way, right? Or, um, um, you know, who, who likes butter or margarine? That's not really a thing now, but it used to be, you know? And, uh, and I, I was having dinner at a friend's house, and, and um, it was spaghetti. It was good spaghetti, and we all are at the dinner table, and right in the middle of that dinner table was a big jar of pickles, and man, we sat down and we're just chowing down, and everyone in that family was like, give me a pickle. <laughs> and for that family, it was their thing. Spaghetti and pickles. <laughs> Who does that? Anyone? No one. You got to try it sometime. <laughs> now, if you have a loving family, there are different ways love is expressed and demonstrated, Right? Some families are very physically affectionate, and that's how they express and demonstrate their love. Some are verbal. They just, I love yous, are just flowing out all the time. I love you, I love you, I love you, all the time. And then some are action-oriented. They say, I love you by what I do for you and how I sacrifice for you. And others are just generous. They're just generous families, and they love gift-giving and buying things. I thought of you. I was at the grocery store, and you love bananas, and so here you go, and and it's saying, I love you. Just a family way. First John chapter 4, verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Now this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him, God in them. This is such a beautiful passage of Scripture in picture of the triune God and how the Father and the Son and the Spirit are in perfect relational harmony, separate but one. And the church is a, the body of Christ, and, and, and we're separate, but, but we're one, one body. And we each have a part through gifting and, and role. And when we do and operate in those parts, the body is complete. And, and, and that's why it's so important for us here. Many of you are new. You're, you're within a year new, months new here to Nova. We're so grateful and so happy that you're here. But it's so important that if, this, if you're saying, this is my church, then that you need to cross the line from being checking Nova out still. If you need more time, of course. But once you say, this is my church, you move from consumer, thinking, what does it have for me? What does Nova have for me? You move from consumer to contributor. You're part of the body now. And you have a gifting, and you have a role. You have a part of the body. And when you don't function in that role, the other parts of the body hurt and they're weaker because of that and that's why we're a strong church because so many of you 
contribute and are part of the body. You serve. In fact, tonight, we've invited about 165 people to what we call the Leadership Collective. It's all those who serve at NOVA. And it's a, it's a servant leadership meeting. It's a worship service, really. And we're going to have a good time, we'll have dinner and all that sort of a thing. But it's incredible to think that's the number of servant leaders that are in our midst. Family ways are where that one body. And so part of the family is this. In your notes, first thing is we must understand how dad sees me. How the father sees me. After we trust in Jesus as as Lord and Savior, one of the primary challenges that some people have is relating to God as Father. And these challenges come up sometimes because we have earthly fathers and we think God the Father and we sort of transfer this imperfect, maybe good, maybe not so good, maybe really not good earthly father and we sort of transfer that view of fatherhood on God the Father. And so there's problems sometimes we have about relating to God the Father. Sometimes our earthly fathers were mean or angry or distant or abusive. Some were abandoned you and others were absent. And if that's your challenge, I encourage you to dive deeply into the scriptures that'll teach you who God the Father is and how he loves you. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. It just, it's just lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And in Romans chapter 8, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, or, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus I, our Lord. In Ephesians chapter 3, it's this... It's this prayer. It says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And it says, the Apostle Paul writes, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, to grasp this. Can you grasp this? How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ? And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the full measure, the measure of all the fullness of God. We must understand how, the, how dad loves us. And the second is, I need to love my brothers and sisters as dad loves me. It's a family love. These are family ways. And one of the greatest joys of a parent, if you're a parent, one of your greatest joys is to observe your kids getting along 
and loving each other, right? Yeah? That's funny. Little comments here and there. <laughs> there are no tips or tricks or techniques on loving one another. Maybe here's a tip. The tip is this, that loving one another is not a technique and it's not a strategy, ever. This is how we love others as dad loves us. John chapter 15, verse 12 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And John, in, his, in, in this first letter in chapter two, he writes, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. It's, it's obedience to love your brothers and sisters. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, Jesus said, if you love one another. In the family of God, there are family values, there are family ways, and the third point we can make is there are family benefits. There are family benefits. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 17 to the end of our text today in verse 21, let me read this to you. It says, this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because Fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. First thing we can say here is with family benefits is we can always go to dad without fear. We can always go to dad without fear. When I was 19, I had a mini truck. It was, um, it was a white mini truck. It was a Datsun. That's Nissan for, for those of you that are too young to know Datsun. And I was driving home, it was getting dark. I was driving home from an evening surf and I was on 190th, I'm sorry, 182nd near where um, Chick-fil-A is right there in Hawthorne. And it started to rain and the roads were slick. It was the first rain of the season. And I got in an accident. And I was driving home, my car, my truck was so messed up. But all I could think of is how mad my dad was going to be. Yeah. And I was driving home thinking, oh no, what? I, I can't lie about it. My truck is so messed up. So I pull in the house and I'm just dreading it. I walk in the door. My dad is usually where he's at. He's in his chair. My dad had a chair. And he was watching the Lakers. That's usually what he's doing. And I walked in, and I walked in the living room, and he's there. And I said, Dad, and he's 
just watching the Lakers still. Dad, I got in an accident. And he popped up the fastest I've ever seen him move. He popped up out of his chair and he said, are you okay? I couldn't believe those words came out of his mouth because I thought he was going to be so mad. And he said, let's go look at the car. So we looked at it and he said, oh, wow. And he said, let's call Mike, who is our insurance guy. Now, Mike coached me in Little League when I was nine years old, so this is 10 years I haven't talked to Mike. So we called Mike, and, and uh, you know, I've never called Mike before, and so my dad gave me the number. I dialed the number. I wanted him to talk with Mike, <laughs> but he made me talk with Mike. But he's standing right over me, and he's telling me what things to tell him. Tell him you got an accident. Tell him you're okay. Tell him you can, the car, you could still drive it. You know, it, all these things. And so I'm talking on the phone to Mike. Mike says, okay, and tells me what to do. My dad then walks me through everything. Let's go get a rental car. You're going to have to call the rental car company. Then you're going to have to wait for the tow truck to come and take it away. You're going to have to go to the body shop and figure it. And so my dad's telling me how to do all these things. And I learned a ton, but the best thing I learned was that my dad loved me. And I knew it. He never said it until later but he loved me, and I didn't need to be scared of him. We can always go to the Father, God, without fear. Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. Ephesians chapter 3 says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence. So, we can always go to dad without fear. And the second is, we can be confident of our inheritance. Romans chapter 8 verse 17 says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. If you're in the family of God, when, the time, when our time on earth comes to a close, when our world gets small, we have this glorious eternal inheritance in heaven that can never be taken away from us. No matter how bad your trials or your troubles are in this earthly life, we are assured when you trust in Jesus that one day we will experience no more pain and no more tears, no more anxiety, no more depression, no more disappointments. And, and eternal, eternity is secured for us in heaven. One of the great joys that you could have is that in your final hours, your final days in life is that you can be assured of heaven. But I wonder how many of us will be asking that question, is heaven for real? And one of the great privileges that we have is to be the messenger of assurance to a brother or sister 
in the family of God in their final days or even now when you don't feel like it's your final days to share the simple and pure gospel to read scripture that will assure them of their inheritance and let the word of God bring assurance and erase any doubt of God's love and his care and his inheritance waiting for you.